Howard from the Podomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew State Studio in California. It's episode 282 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Drew State Master Blender Willie Herrera as our special featured guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Delos Reyes introduces another chapter of the saga. Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work and the spirit and the standing idea of owning your own journey and making your own saga. Saga Celez is a perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Coyoyo, Olor, and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade Claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance, a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in four sizes at an affordable price, including the latest release, the Corona size. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sungrown and a dark oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combine these beautifully bourbon barrels, wrappers with thick, high priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double H 12-year vintage, Perdomo 20th anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th anniversary line, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Barrel Aids, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Menso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo's website at www.perdomocigars.com. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic, Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, and darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. This is a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Nassilian's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Blackened Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso. That's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network uh, shows, as well as the California studios for the Thursday Primetime Show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime episode 282. or 282. Uh, today is Thursday, September 7th, 2023. This is Will Cooper. I'm in the Panama Cigar Studios on the Black Stage tonight. Um, joined uh, by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing good. You know, this is the time of the year, Aaron, I get a little homesick for New York. Okay. Um, okay. If there's one month of the year that I think is the best month, like in New York, is as long as we don't get rains, it's it's September. September is a wonderful time to be in New York. I I, I was getting a little homesick for it today, and, and in particular this week, right leading between Labor Day and football season, it was just it was always a nice week to be there. And it's one I, when it comes around every year now, I, I do miss it. Is there something uh, specific? Is just the weather? The, the what, weather what's going on. The weather is so ideal. Okay. Most of the, the humidity is burned off. By, by for the most part, you know, occasionally right. happens unless you get a tropical storm come in. Um, but when that humid, it, it's just and it's still in this, you know, seven mid 70s. Mm -hmm. it, it is a it is 
September to me has always been the ideal months. And for some reason, April in New York is a much more rainier month, um, even though the tropical storms may come in September. Um, April, just the whole thing about April showers in New York always seemed to me more true. Okay. April's probably the other good month I'd put in, in New York for, for this, you know, on the flip side of that. Okay. So uh, I won't be in New York this this year. So uh, you know, it is what it is. But but it's the one time I get, I get homesick, and you know right. uh, the baseball season is getting the September September baseball. Yeah, I know you're not a football guy, but September football. Uh, you put those two together, it, it, it's it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, Carolina now Carolina. It's October here. October is when okay. it's really when it's really nice. So that's mm. what we have. You wait a, another month here. It's it's like that down here, but it's still kind of summer here. Okay. But uh, no, I didn't see anything. Um, I mean, I think the Phillies were off again today, so I didn't see anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Just a, uh, like Thursday seems to be this, you know, the day off for most everybody now. So yeah, so it's a weird day. I, I thought just before we get the I thought it was weird Monday though that they didn't um that teams had off on Monday. I was shocked yeah. the Yankees and Mets were both not playing on Monday. I'm like, they should have all 30 teams should be playing on, on a holiday weekend. That's a big And the miss Yankees and Mets should have been playing each other. They, <laughs> why not? I mean, yeah. I understand I like that baseball has these days because I think it makes the makeup games a lot easier, especially this time of the year. But Labor Day is still like a holiday weekend, and you have yeah. you have a lot of people at home who can watch these games. So, right, I, I guess I just don't understand sometimes their scheduling. Mm-hmm. That being said, let's um let's introduce Aaron, uh, our special guest. Um, he hasn't been on the show since September of two thousand eighteen. Going way back to episode 60, 67. So, um, but I feel like I've seen this guy many times. Um, since then. But uh, he is the master blender of Drew Estate. He's the one and only Willie Herrera. Willie, welcome back to primetime. Thank you. Thank you, man. Good to, glad, glad to be here. Definitely. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been a long time. I know. I know. I mean, I've seen you at Barn Smokers and a few uh, other events along the way. But really, like I said, it was five years. And then, you know, pandemic just screwed everything up for everybody. Um, yeah. You know, whether sometimes you got to see people, sometimes you didn't. Sometimes people you connected virtually, sometimes you couldn't. So it, it's kind of, it kind of was a weird thing that happened after that for everybody. It definitely was, man. It was, uh, I call it like a black hole. Everything was just so, so bizarre. Those, you know, two years and it was like, what happened? You know, yeah. and then you get out of the whole pandemic thing and it's almost like you're, you know, coming back from the dead in a sense, you know, it's like yeah. things are different and people are different. And it's just it's, it's been a it's been a ride for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, in my other world, I'm just seeing patterns of people. They don't go into the office anymore. They don't go out anymore. They don't travel as much anymore. So it, it has changed is what I tell people. Yeah, people are not locked down anymore, but there's there's so many lifestyle changes I've seen like in my other world. It, it's amazing. Cigar world's yeah. different. People, they got to travel. They're going to smoke cigars. So I kind of get that. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, I talked to a bunch of my buddies down here and it's the same thing, uh, you know, work, whether it's working for the city um, or working for the state or working for big firms. They're doing, you know, 60% home, 40% in the office. Yeah. And so that shift is definitely, you know, 
I think it continues to go, you yeah. know, because a lot of these bigger companies that had these massive company um, office uh, spaces. Yep. And on top of that, they were paying for all this parking, you yeah. know, for all the employees and stuff. They're saving a ton of money. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're definitely seeing a shift and, yeah. and it just continues to to shift that way, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, no, Willie, you know, Drew Estate was really known for a company that got through the pandemic. Um, and, you know, a lot of great things you, you guys were able to accomplish during the pandemic, even though you had a lot of your uh, your team off the road and everything. Uh, you know, lots of been talked about the sales teams and you guys made a lot of use of virtual stuff. But it had to be a little different for you in your role as the master blender, because obviously that that prevented you from going to Nicaragua for a long time. Yeah, man, it was a lot of waiting. You know, it was a lot of emails and a, and a lot of Zoom calls, just like we were doing those virtual events. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it just took longer to get samples. You know what I mean? We were still working on stuff. I was still sending blends down, uh, coming up with ideas. But instead of just being hands on, like right. I am every month over there, uh, yeah. working on new stuff um, and trying uh, the new stuff from the month prior or the, or the month before that, I had to wait for it to be shipped to me. Right. So it's, it, it's, you know, yeah, it was different because it, it's, I wasn't there. Yeah. But we were still working and getting stuff done, you know, just, it just took longer. You know what I mean? Right. It just definitely took longer. Right. But, um, you know, it, it did hinder in the sense of, unless I was working with specific tobaccos that we also have in the factory here uh, where the Miami's made, Mm-hmm. You know, there I was able to do the hands-on because I would sneak away and just be by myself in the factory here working right. on stuff hands-on. And if I liked something, then, okay, I already had the experience, you know, real time. And then I will send an email, hey, or do a Zoom call with Yesenia and Rubio and Henry and say, hey, I want to work on this. I tried it here in the factory. I really like this. Now make me some samples over there. And then, you know, so that the factory here really helped me out a lot, you know, in the blending thing, because we do have a lot, with the exception of, you know, Broadleaf, um, Stockard Habano, mm-hmm. those are two, and, and Matafina, you know, pretty much all the other tobaccos that we use in, in Drew, in Nika, we had already been using here in Miami as well. Okay. So that helped a lot too. That, that's good. Now, a lot of your role as a master brand, obviously, there's one point where you're doing the innovation, but the other point is you're probably overseeing a lot of consistency. Um, how did you overcome some of the challenges? Because I'm sure you guys, had, obviously, you guys were still producing stuff in Nicaragua and you had to make sure it stays consistent. Waiting for the shipment to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's no magic I, thing to say. It, it was, you know, I, every week it was, uh, you know, a package being sent from Nicaragua right. over here. Sometimes it took longer um, than normal. Usually during normal times, you know, I'll call in, I need XXX samples and tomorrow they're packed and they're being, you know, sent out overnight. Right. But during the whole pandemic thing and the shutdowns, whether it was shutdowns over there or just delays over here or customs to clear yeah. the, the cigars or FedEx to deliver the cigars or UPS or what have you, it just took a little bit longer, you know, and, and sure. sometimes it was frustrating because I'm used to getting stuff within a week, 
Sure. And, you know, during the whole pandemic thing, sometimes it was two, two and a half weeks before I could get those samples. Sure. No, that's yeah. a, that's that had to be very frustrating too. And I forgot about the shipping delays on top of the add all that too on top of that. So mm -hmm. very, very difficult here. Um, Aaron, did the stream go down? Uh, no, looks okay. like it's still moving. I can't, along. I can't, I can't get it up. That's why I can't, I can't view it for whatever reason. Okay, I keep getting. Yeah, it it's still, taking... it's still going. Okay, so I, tr I trust that that's gone. Um, as far as that goes, so apologies, Willie. Um, no, you know, no, so we, yeah, I just want to make sure obviously everything's going smooth. But uh, you know, Willie, uh, actually, you know, I was kind of looking at the timeline here, and um. During the pandemic, you were right after coming out of the pandemic, you hit 10 years at Drew Estate. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, that's a great achievement at any company when you hit a 10-year anniversary. So congrats on that. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, it, you know, it goes back to that just time flies, man. You hear yeah. that time flies when you're having fun. And yeah. it's so true. I mean, 13 years already at this point. Yeah. It, over 13 years and it's like man where did time go it's just yeah oh, you only realize that when you see pictures of back then when you first joined the company you know <laughs> right <laughs> you don't see any grays you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's just I hair, yeah. you know yeah I had the opposite that's when you really notice it man no uh, no but I, I i you know i kind of remember when you joined uh, drew estate i was on a safari and you had just like started and now I remember when I went on my last safari a few years ago, I'm like, now Willie's running this massive operation down there. I mean, because it, it was, you know, DE2 is added. Now DE3 is added. Right. So now it's a much bigger, you know, it's much bigger even than when, when, when I went. Um, and so oh, DE2. And it's, you know, it's this, it's this, this enormous machine, man, that it just keeps growing and it keeps, you know, you keep adding parts to this massive machine and it just gets, but it all flows, you yeah. know, and it continues to just work perfectly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just makes my life so much easier yeah. having the people that I could depend on over there. Cause obviously I don't live there. So I was there for the first year and a half when well, I joined. Right. Yeah. Thing. But after that, you know, my family's here, uh, you know, visiting accounts, doing uh, in-store events and stuff like that. So I can't spend all my time yeah. over there. And so if I didn't have the team that I have over there, it's it'd be impossible. You know, it yeah. just you have to really depend on them and trust them that the stuff is going to get done, you know, how you want it when it's your when you're talking about like a new blend um, or you're you, you want a, a certain tobacco out of that blend to be placed in a certain place in that in that in that bunch, you know. Sure. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, man, if I didn't have that team. Man, yeah, it'd be not another story for sure, right? And Willie, you know, I talked about DE2 and DE3, and they were very important with this factory expansion you did. Uh, for folks that may not be familiar, why these were important, talk about maybe what it was like before DE2 came in and you guys were all like spread out all over the place as far as what you're doing. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we basically had you know these little buildings slash houses. Yeah. Spread all over the city. So anytime you wanted to, for example, I wanted to look at a specific tobacco. Well, first you have to figure out, okay, where, what location is that tobacco at? And yeah. then get in the car and go over there or call over there and have somebody bring a bale um, of the tobacco 
back to the factory. I mean, it was just, it was so chaotic. It was so many, you know, so many buildings, stuff everywhere. And yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just crazy. And now, you know, having everything across the street and you're looking at whatever you want to look at, you want to look at the wrapper, you want to see, you know, certain fillers, a binder, whatever it is, you walk across the street and it's, it just has streamlined things immensely, you know, and sped up things because, you know, I'll get up in the morning and I'm in the factory by 7.30 and I, I'll tell you, saying, hey, I have an idea. Do we have this? And she's like, yeah, we have, you know, um, Seco Viso or we, yeah, we have that Ligero or whatever it is. Right. And phone call, either we walk across the street or they bring it right over from across the street. So it, it's definitely uh, sped up everything for sure. <clears throat> That's de- yeah, and I remember and I having was- more control. You yeah, know what I mean? uh, sure. of the fermentation process. You know, you don't you don't have pilons spread all over the city with yeah. different types <laughs> of tobaccos everywhere. So it just it's 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 much better. I, I mean, I remember that too when we were going all over the city looking at this pre-industry and these pilons, and like I said, it was like I was thinking <laughs> recently about that because again, if you had a that had to be managed during the pandemic and you're not down there. Mm. Or some, you know, that that's or someone's not on top of that. Obviously, that could be a you know a a big problem, especially you know as far as you know checking all that stuff. Devastating, man. Yeah. Because when those when those pylons are going, you know, you literally have to be on call like twenty four seven on that, even on the weekends, seven days a week. Because if any one of those pylons goes, depending what the tobacco is over a certain temperature, you just ruined all that tobacco. And yeah, you can use it for nothing, and so your 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 team has to be, you know, on schedule and know. Hey, on Saturday, this person's gonna go and check, make sure the temperature is is where it needs to be. Um, and if it needs to be broken down, they gotta break it down. You know, it's not like you could hit a switch. All right, we're gonna stop fermentation for the weekend, then <laughs> right, right, and the stuff is not gonna keep on uh, heating up. You know, sure. So it's it's uh it's it's uh it's a it's a it's a team effort at the end of the day. You right. know what I mean? And everybody yeah. has to it's all hands on deck and and you know they gotta love what they're doing, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean when when LT town's a little different because they don't do the pre they get the tobacco, it's already processed when they get it, right? So that's mm-hmm. not that's not something I don't really have the room there to do it either. That would be I still am amazed how the production they get out of that factory is, I mean, you, Aaron, you haven't been there, but I mean, I'm telling you, it's small. That's what I'm just going to tell you. Oh, it's yeah. tiny. It's they use tiny every, they use, Sandy uses every corner of space. Like, to get oh, yeah. Them. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's amazing. It's just amazing. Uh, it's like Tetris, but, but yeah. So, I mean, and obviously now you have, and then you, uh, you guys outgrew DE2, right? So you had to build DE3. You know, we, we just keep on growing, man. Yeah. And as you grow, yeah. not only, you know, yeah, you're making more cigars, but you got to now have that much more inventory of tobacco yeah. to continue to make all those cigars. You know, I remember when I started, we were right around 100,000 cigars. Right? No, I'm sorry. Like 60 something, 70 something thousand cigars, I want to say back 13 years ago. Right. And it just went growing and growing. You know how many cigars we're making a, a day over there already? 
Take a guess. I'm, I'm going to say 400,000. No, higher. That, that, you went higher. too high. That's no, no, high. you went too high. 250,000 250, cigars a day, so, man. Wow. Wow. It's still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's insanity. It really is. When you think about it, that's, that's a lot of tobacco. I mean, yeah. I look, I hear, I hear Sandy screaming at, at our factory here at Titan. She's like, we're just hoping that bail. And, and it's only been a week and a half. I'm like, Sandy, that we go through <laughs> multiple bails in a day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's, got... it's, it's crazy. It, 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 it is. It is. Um, but it's interesting. Willie. I see you kind of, you know, you do some stuff, obviously, out of El Titan. There's a lot of stuff you're doing out of, out of Nicaragua. Um, but you seem to kind of balance it well in terms of being able to switch gears from the big factory piece to the small factory piece. So, I mean, obviously you, you come from El Titan, so it's a little easier, but still, I think that's, I think that's a, a good job because I know sometimes going from small to big, it's, it's not easy or vice versa. And you, you've seen to keep level on that. Well, I'll tell you this, the, the employees at El Titan, especially the Cuban ones, don't like me very much because <laughs> I'll, I'll try or I will kind of, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, I try to bring in what I've learned from Drew Estate, how the efficiencies that we use in the factory over there, you know, certain things. And I, I had the, t- the, the word into my tongue and it won't come out. But anyway, I try to to have, you know, I wanted to do that here. Mm-hmm. But these guys, they're used to the Cuban method. Mm-hmm. And then not only are they used to the Cuban method from the factories over there, but they come here and they kind of get comfortable. Right. You know, and since I'm not in the factory every day and I'm not running the factory, you know, now the factory is being ran by Sandy and my wife and yourself. Um so, you know, she tries to crack the whip as much, but she doesn't have the knowledge factory wise, like I have from being exposed to the factory in Nicaragua. Right. So, you know, when I'm in there, they're, they're already just waiting for, okay, what, what change is this guy going to do now? And what <laughs> is guy going to want us to do now? But at the end of the day, it's just making things more efficient, you know, yeah. and when you're so limited in space, um and so limited to you know you can't just cross the street and pick up tobacco yeah you can't just call you know Placencia, hey i need you know 15 bills of this no we gotta call nicaragua wait for them to prepare it wait for them to 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 send it through the fumigation then ship it then wait for customs to clear it and then have it brought over to the factory so it's a it's a it's a big process so if they're screwing around here you know, and, and with all the shortages of tobacco that there are now, we're like, dude, you know, you're going to go home. It, 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 we don't have tobacco. There's nothing for you to do here. It, you're not going to work. You're not going to get paid. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we've actually had to do that a few times, you know, because wow. they just don't understand. You know, it, it's, it gets frustrating. Implement. That's the word I was looking for. Okay. I've tried. I implement a lot of the stuff that I see at Drew Estate. Um you know, how we do certain things, I implemented here because it's just wrong how they've been doing it. You right. know what I mean? And so, yeah, they don't they don't like me a lot. The Nicaraguans, 
they're used to it because these guys have been at Placencia, they've been at Oliva, they've been at Perdomo, they've been at Drew Estate. So, you know, they, they get it. Yeah. They get it. And they understand it's, it's a lot of process-driven stuff already. They're used to more of a process-driven world where I can imagine LT time's not quite as process-driven given it's that small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could, I could see a little of that, yeah. No, there's definitely resistance, for yeah. sure. <laughs> No, I, it's a uh, that's a, it's a thing. Now you mentioned you mentioned something else. You mentioned some of the tobacco shortages, and some of them have been well documented. Uh, you know things such as you know Broadway's been tough to get. Now we're hearing about conditions in Ecuador. Uh, thoughts, perspectives. Is this how is what's is this going to be keeping Drew Estate up at night uh, at some point? Well, with Drew Estate, not so much, man, because every time, you know, years pass, we buy so much tobacco that we've managed to build a, a healthy inventory of tobacco. Mm-hmm. So it's more of an issue like for us here, El Titan, because we're not buying yeah. you know, 50, 60, 70, right. 80 bales. You know what I mean? So right. when you run out or when the your supplier now does not have and then you 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 have then a bad growing season and then there's problem you know getting tobacco it just becomes a nightmare you know i mean yeah. we've been waiting for habano here just for it to leave nicaragua for two and a half weeks already mm. wow and it still hasn't even left wow yeah it's it's becoming an issue for sure man yeah it's, uh, it's not like before before by the end of the week, we would have tobacco. Didn't matter whether it was filler, wrapper, binder. Didn't matter. We had right. it. Right. Um, but now it's it's a much lengthier process uh, to get the tobacco, um, and it's 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 definitely an issue. And then there's just shortages everywhere. Yeah. They, what 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 you would call before, and they had you know x amount of bales. Now they just tell you they don't have it. <laughs> they don't have it because they don't have the people to. To, to work the tobacco. In, 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 the, in other words, they grew the tobacco, but they just don't have the manpower to process everything and get everything ready, ferment it, uh, and get it in bales to be able to send it over. At Drew Estate, um, do you ever have like a blend? And I'll, let's take H99 and Liga 10 out of it at us for a second. Because I know they're, they're still somewhat scarce in some ways. And we'll talk about that in a second. But do you have these blends? That, okay, I hear a lot of companies say, hey, you know, they have this one leaf in the blend. It's it's pretty hard to get. Um, And because we can't get it, we can't make this cigar anymore. Do you guys blend, blend like that? It seems like you haven't blended like that at Drew Estate for the most part. And you guys always have the raw materials ready to go. Am I, am I reading that right? We try our best. Right. We try our best. Uh, there, there are always hiccups because what you're told doesn't always pan out. For example, um, I did some samples using a Sumatra, Ecuador Sumatra wrapper. Right. And it was going to be ready X day. So, okay, fine. We're going to be good. Well, when the X day came up, it wasn't ready. And it wasn't ready for like another three months. So then that delays the release uh, or your plans of what you wanted to do with that cigar that was going to use that wrapper. Um, man, one thing is the truest uh, thing in the cigar industry. There's always a problem with something. 
Yeah. Whether it's tobacco, whether it's packaging, whether it's manufacturing, you're always going to run into yeah. an issue, you know, always. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the suppliers, they're always going to tell you, yeah, 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 no problem. Yeah, you can, yeah, it'll be ready. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be ready, but it's most of the time it's not a, at the time that uh, you, you, you were told it was going to be ready, you know? Yeah. So you just got to always plan ahead, man. That's why we're already working on stuff for 24 and 25. Sure. You know, just so we could get ahead and procure all the tobacco, get everything ready, start working on the packaging already, start working on everything because there's a delay on everything. There's a delay on boxes. There's a delay on back on, uh, on bands. Um, I mean, we had a problem in our factory here with cellophane. Thank God Drew Estate makes his own cellophane. And we were able to get our cellophane here at El Titan from Drew. Oh, wow. Plays, yeah. our, plays our friends. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, wow. No, so that's good. So we, we, you know, we, you know, I remember when you were here last time, Willie, it was 2018 and, and you just come off a trade show and you, you guys literally just launched the Anniversario, the League of Provided uh, Anniversario and the uh, H99. And you couldn't get them really. I mean, they were almost impossible to get. There was some limited release. But now, five years later, uh, it seems like now these lines, you're finally starting to get the roll these out slowly. So, um, you have obviously you haven't had issues get like I know there's been issues with connect, connect, tobacco in Connecticut, but obviously you guys have been able to expand the yield you're getting up there. Well, you know, when, when we so the re, one of the reasons why it took so long was <clears throat> we started working on samples using that tobacco. It was new tobacco stuff I had never worked with, stuff we had we had never worked with. Mm-hmm. So when when we finally nailed down the blends. For what was going to be Liga 10 Anniversario. Because one thing a lot of people don't know, we weren't working on two cigars. I was working on a cigar, the Liga 10, uh, the Liga 10 year anniversary, Liga Provada 10 year anniversary. That's right. the cigar I was working on. So in that process, <clears throat> I had five blends that I really liked. So those blends, there were some that had the Corojo hybrid, other ones had the Criollo hybrid. So when we went, well, when the time came to smoke them and pick the one, we couldn't pick one. There was one that everybody loved. And then there was a second one that everybody loved, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that was what ended up being the League of Ten Year Anniversario was the, the, the really the, the League of Nine on steroids. Uh-huh. Really strong, really powerful. That one had the Criollo. Right. right. And the second one that everybody loved was the one with the Corojo hybrid. Now, I had purposely, when I was working with the Corojo hybrid, those blends, I purposely was making them more, like, for my palate. They're more balanced. They're a little bit sweeter. They're a little bit more subtle. They're not so in your face like the Liga 10. Right. So that's how H99 was born. It was born out of like, oh, man, this is so good. We don't want to pass it up. All right, what, what can we do with it? And that became H99. Um, but after, so when we nailed out those blends, that growing season had already passed for those wrappers, for those tobaccos. Right. So then we had to wait for the growing season. Then we had to wait 
to receive that tobacco and then learn how to ferment that tobacco. Because again, yeah, it's from the Connecticut, but it's 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 a hybrid. Now, do you sure. ferment it the same way as a broadleaf? Do you ferment right. it the same way as a stock cut? Do you give it more heat? You know what I mean? Do you let it get the heat higher? Do you let it sit in below longer? When do you when do you rotate it? So it was it was a big learning curve when we finally got the tobacco. We had to learn how to work with it, you know. And, and Willie, no one had really worked. With, I mean, obviously, that you guys got this exclusively, so nobody worked with it, especially at this type of scale. You guys needed to work at it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. No, nobody had worked with it, yeah. uh, and so it just took a while to to nail down. You know, we didn't want to do the, the mistake we did when we first started working on Broadleaf. You know that story. Yeah. 250 grand worth of tobacco just <laughs> burned. Burned. <laughs> you know, we, we just didn't know how to ferment it, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, again, it was a learning curve. And then we, we, we nailed that. And then the process, we just, hey, grow, we'll take it all. Grow, we'll take it all. And that's why you're starting to see more and more you know, cigars coming out versus how it was initially, you know, because in the beginning it was just as that tobacco was getting ready, we were, we were coming out with the, the different sizes. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine if you had gone and had made that mistake with these wrappers, it would have been catastrophic. So mm-hmm. uh, because at least there was still broadleaf out there, maybe mm-hmm. not a lot of it, but there wasn't, I, I guarantee you guys were taking everything they got here. So you just said so. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's, you know, everything, everything's a learning curve, man. You know, it's uh, whether you're working with, you know, just a new, a new type of tobacco, or you're just working on different blends with tobaccos that you haven't worked with before, you know, it's, everything is different. You know what I mean? Uh, Working the other day with some tobaccos from another country and I never, I never even knew they grew tobacco there. And it turned out to be amazing tobacco, but you got to figure out how oh, it works and what it works well with. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I'll ask this question, Willie, and you don't, if you can't answer it, that's fine. Or don't, don't want to answer it. So, you know, you got the, so now you have this H99 blend and you have this, uh, the end of the league of 10 one. And, you know, I kind of put the analogy back to when it was number nine in T52. And then the Unico series was born off that. Is that something that would be planned down the road to do like an Unico series off these other rappers now and, and the blends or these other blends based on that? You know, everything is possible with Drew Estate. Right. We've, uh, we've definitely talked about it. You know, why not? You right. Know, it's, if it's, you its get, own line. Yeah. It's its own blend. Yeah. Why not come out with something unique, you know, within those lines? Right. Um, I'm going to say that. There's been there's been talk. Right. So maybe. Right. I, I was just I was the question was more or less. I was looking to see if you guys had, had obviously had thought about it. because mm-hmm. it, it is something I think that would be the next logical step now. But, the, you know, if you know, after obviously releasing core sizes and limiteds, that would be. Yeah, that would it would definitely be a really cool thing to see, I think. So. Oh, for sure. I mean, you I mean, just I, you did Papa's Fritas with it this year with the H99. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just think about some of those smaller. Imagine a dirty rat. In, in, in an H99 yeah, or yeah. Liga 10, you know, yeah. or a Radzilla side. I mean, oh, yeah. it would yeah. be fantastic. It'd yeah. be crazy. Yeah. Hey, so let's turn to the H99, some of these sizes, because you've done some couple of interesting things you, you've done with <laughs> H99, right? So um, 
I was, I'm not the biggest Lancero guy, but I loved Phineas Gage. You did that in a, um, a Lancero. And I think I was spectacular in, in that size. And then something that's probably not you haven't done this a lot of that. I, I can't think of the last time you've done one of these is a six by 60. And I know Drew State hadn't done anything with six by 60. Yeah. So Willie, take us to doing a six by six. I know you're a Lancero guy, but obviously now going six by 60, this was a, probably something you hadn't worked with a lot uh no for for sure uh yeah. it was it was it was my first okay so you didn't get done any lt down either that was like i was wondering that no okay no, it's I, i'm like you know i'm i'm a small ring guy man Lancero, I, I always known you as that yeah uh corner gordas you know traditional robustos five by 50 you know that's one thing that's always upsets me is you don't find a five by fifty anymore. It's five by fifty two, five by fifty four. I know Augusto man. I know five by fifty, you know? Yeah, yep. Um so yeah, they wanted a gordo. They wanted a big ring gauge, you know, and I said, well, you know, it, it, it it's gonna have flavor, you know, it's gonna yeah. be something right. unlike what people think of when they think six or six by right. six. Because typically, you know, they just they don't they don't have a lot going on, you know, from from the ones that I have tried. uh, I've never smoked a whole one because it's just it's not my thing. But I have tried just to see what what there is or whatnot. And uh, just started blending and working in. And I wanted to make sure that it would smoke just like a Toro or just like, you know, any other smaller Vitola in the line. You know, yep. and and that and it came out. It came. I mean, it's incredible how many people have come up to me and said, "Man, I have never had a six, you know, a sixty ring cigar that has so much flavor. This thing smokes just like the Toro, or this thing smokes just like the Robusto." And so, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy how it came out. It's uh, it was it was a process for sure because. Yep. Just like anything else, when you haven't really worked with, like I remember when I worked on the Underground Shade. Yeah. You know, I wasn't a big Connecticut Shade guy. I had mm-hmm. barely worked with Connecticut Shade. Sure. And when that came up, I was like, oh man, okay, how do I figure this thing out <laughs> when I don't have that much experience with it? Yeah. And the same thing with the six by six, it was just a different size. And so it was, it, <laughs> We smoked a lot of cigars, man. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. smoked a lot of samples. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I imagine you have played with six by sixties before, but was there something with just the HC ninety nine that you felt really clicked? Obviously, say, hey, I recommend we blend this thing because it's it's work. Was that kind of how it went? Man, it's got really great tobaccos. You know, those tobaccos that are in those blends, and especially that wrapper, the flavor that 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 wrapper gives to any cigar. Right. Right. Uh, I figured it'd be, you know, like a big juicy steak is, is and that's pretty much how that that six that uh, Gordo smokes. It's juicy. It's flavor. It's like a steak right. in your mouth. And I'm just really happy with it, man. And, and for, from everyone that I've talked to, they are really, really enjoying it. I mean, so <laughs> yesterday I was talking to one of my one of my guys. And he's like me, small ring guy. And he's like, dude, I hate you. I'm like, what happened? He's like, dude, I've gone to two boxes of Gordos already. <laughs> but it has so much flavor. You yeah. Know? It does, man. Well, I can tell you from the other side of the coin, because I do smoke with a lot of guys who like older guys, like 
well, they're probably my age, but uh, they, a lot of guys <laughs> like six by sixties and mm-hmm. they've come back and said, wow, this is a great six by 60. I mean, so you've kind of, I know you've been saying, Hey, a lot of these guys who don't smoke it, they don't smoke, but I could tell you the guys who buy six by sixties that I know are very, very high on this blend. So, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. the store by me ha- happened to, have to do the event and they got them. So, and I think most nice. of them have went. So, so yeah, I think that's an important too, that you're hitting that is in my informal way. I could just tell you that. Yeah. Well, you know, in a lot of these events that I do, you know, you do have that, that market, you know, yeah. those guys that, that want the 60 ring, they just like a big cigar and, you know, we just never really have something to offer them, you know? So why leave them out? You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I think it's great. So I'm, we, I'm happy. we got something for them. I think I'm happy with that. Yeah. Cause I got, I like sixties, but they have to, be, but I tell people they have to be blended, right? I've had a lot of sixties that I don't like. So mm-hmm. I've had blends that I liked. I say, I won't smoke this in the 60. And there's other ones I've had. And, and by the way, Super Ancho, I did. It was one of the sizes. I, it's funny. I think my two favorite sizes are the two extremes. The Lancero <laughs> and the Super Ancho. Yeah. I'm smoking a Robusto, but, but I didn't, uh, I didn't want to smoke a 60 tonight. Uh, Cause I bought it. I have a lot of air conditioning blowing here and it's, it's not fun to smoke a 60. So, uh, <laughs> well, with that, um, and then obviously the other thing now, the other blend is the Liga 10 anniversario and you guys made some, you know, it was, it was funny, William, I'm watching freestyle live last week. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm like, why did they have all these international guys on freestyle live? This is kind of weird. Right. I'm like, I'm seeing all the international guys. Right. And then you guys obviously dropped the news about, uh, the Succio Mercado. So uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 not an anniversario blend. It's 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 a Liga Ten blend. Is that the best way to explain that to people? It's a different blend. It's 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 all. It's, so I use the same tobaccos from the Liga Ten. Yeah, but I totally deconstructed and reblended it differently. Yep. For what I feel that market likes, you know, I don't think that they like that, you know, punch in the face type cigar. You know, I think they're more into that, a little bit more balance of a, of a cigar. Yeah. Uh, full flavor, just not that punch you in the face right. type of cigar. Right. Which is, that's what Liga 10 is. You know, Liga 10 is, is, is a powerful cigar. And for international, I wanted to use the same components, just reblended differently where it wouldn't be as aggressive uh, for that market. Mm-hmm. And We'll see. I mean, I, I think, uh, I think they're gonna like it, you know, because I think it's it's in that in that wheelhouse of what they like to smoke, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we won't see that in the U.S., right? That's that sounds like we're not gonna see this in the U.S. at least for the time being. No, yeah, that's going straight over there. I'm sure there's gonna be tons of people ordering uh, oh, from over there. Yeah, from I... over there, and you're gonna see them here uh, at Herfs and this and that. And uh, it'll make it its way. Uh, oh, it'll, I I, I bought way. my year I bought my year of oxes here. <laughs> the legal brown year ox I bought here, so uh, it found its way here. So I, I was able to get some of those. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, but no, that's so that's exciting for you guys. And and um, as far as the it's the same wrapper. Is it different priming you work with, or is it just the, the yeah. ways you kind of played with the with the proportions? So. The, the guts of the cigar is the same tobaccos, just reblended, um, different amounts, different proportions. Right. And then when we were doing all of our sorting, that color was set aside. And I saw that color and I was like, oh my God, that's beautiful. 
you know, we don't have anything to use it for now, but let's set it aside. And then the project came up and the idea came up and I'm like, man, I know that, that, that color, that wrapper right there that we had uh, set aside is going to be the one for that. And yeah, it worked out perfectly because it's, it's, it's just a beautiful wrapper. Yeah. It, it had more of a reddish hue. This, the, the European one is what I noticed. Mm-hmm. It had a, a little more reddish hue. It had. Yeah. 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 I, I think it's going to be, uh, it's going to be exciting for them. You know, we've never really done a, a international exclusive in a, yeah. in a long time. I think the last time we did was that Underground Pig, was yeah. it? Yeah, the Underground Pig. For Holland? Yeah. And that was, what, 2010, 2009, sometime around there, 2011? It, it, was, a, it, was, a, it was before you came. I know because uh, I had a friend order them from Holland. We ordered, uh-huh. he ordered a box to share. Of the mm-hmm. underground pig, and then they eventually came here. Um, but yeah, I remember that. So you know, I think that this is gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see how how it's accepted over there and what people are saying when they start smoking it. I can't wait to hear it. It's an ongoing production you'll have for there, though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So that that's that's interesting too. That you know you you'll be able you know, but um. I think like because H ninety nine hasn't made it there, from what I understand, right? The H ninety nines haven't made it there at all. Neither I think neither blend has really made it over there. You know that I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't know. Yeah, you might be right at that part. I don't know, um, but I know this is this is their cigar. You know, right? And, uh, they're gonna get plenty of it, and uh, I can't wait to hear what they what they have to say. Yep. So that that's exciting too. Um, and but meanwhile, you're also. It seems that the Creole now it's been a lot. I now I can finally find Anniversarios, which has uh, been better. It took me a while to find that, but that, so the Anniversarios are now making it stateside here too, which is good for. Yeah. So that's good news for you guys as well. Oh, definitely, man. You know, the, it's it's you know people always think oh we're holding back, and you know, we never hold back. You know, right. it's we'll hold back if the tobacco's not ready. If the right. cigar is not right, we're not going to send it out. We're not yep. going to make a cigar with something that's it's not going to burn right, or it's not tasting how it's supposed to taste. Yeah. But uh, you know, if everything is is tobacco wise, is how it's supposed to be, we're not going to not make the cigar. You know what I mean? We want to yep. get it out to everybody. You know, because for everybody else to enjoy it. Yep. So you know, it's it's the tobacco's turning. The tobacco's getting ready. And uh, we're using it. We're making cigars as, as quickly as we can. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's good as well. Um, but you've certainly had your hand in a lot of projects over the past few years. I mean, since we've had you on. Um, a couple, a few I want to mention is, I guess I want to just start off with the Blackened um, M81, which I have as my next cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, this is the all Maduro cigar, right? This is obviously, we know the whole story with... Um, with uh, Metallica, but I guess the questions I have for you, obviously, are from a blending perspective. I don't know if that sounds right, but, but when you were bl- like, have you bl- like, if you have you blended like an all Maduro cigar? Is my I guess my question. You you've worked with Maduro, right? But now you had to kind of work with an all Maduro cigar. Uh, no, no, that was a first. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tricky part was to get something number one that would burn. That right, yeah. right. And then secondly, that it would taste right, you right. know, because 
being in all the cigar safaris that we've done, you know, and, you know, from experience, you get to blend your own cigar. Right. A lot of these guys are like really strong. And so they'll blend cigars with all the heroes, you know, and those things, one, taste awful. Yep. And two, uh, they just don't burn. Right? Uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys, so I know. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the tobacco. It was the blender is what I say. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the trick was to blend something that was going to taste right. Yeah. I was going to be balanced and was going to burn right, you know, and yeah. with the inventory of tobacco that we have, you know, uh, we were able to achieve that. You know, a lot of blends were made because there were many that wouldn't burn and there were many that were bitter. Uh, there right. were many that just didn't taste nice. You know, yeah. if you took a puff and oh God, this is awful and throw it out and move on to the next blend um, as we were trying all the different samples. But, you know, it all came down to, you know, using the right tobaccos um, and just making the right bunch, man. Because if you bunch it wrong, uh, you're going to have issues, yeah. you know? Yeah. That was, that was a really fun project. Was this, the, was this the first time you guys had for a, I'll say for a regular production release, had worked with Pennsylvania Broadleaf? Because I noticed something in the filler. No, because we have worked already with the anniversario. Okay, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Okay, yeah. We have already worked with their um that was the first time with the okay. anniversario. Yep, yep, you're right. And yep. then we worked I've with it that. here um as just another Maduro component in the yep. in the blend, you know. Mm -hmm. Um but I always say, I mean, that was one of the funnest, you know, projects because there was a lot of back and forth, you know. I love a yeah. challenge. And, you know, with uh James the guy's a serious cigar guy, you right. know, and he knows what he likes. So, you know, I would work on something. We would smoke it in the, with the team in the factory. We liked it. And then we would send it to him and, oh, well, no, I don't like this. And I'm like, oh, man, what is it? How can it be that he doesn't like it? So then you reblend it again. So there was a lot of back and forth, which just made it so cool and so, you know, so much fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. I, I love the whole challenge of yeah coming up with something like I always say at the events, you know, the, the fact that you're smoking something so good, just with a bunch of dried up leaves, you know, right. put in, a, in a, in a press in a mold and in a press, uh, it's amazing to me still yeah. to this day, you know? Um, so it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a funny, uh, project for sure. Yeah, no, it, it, it seemed like it was fun for you guys. Um, and it was like I said, I was just, the blend was always intriguing to me because you had those different Maduro components because it was San Andreas, Connecticut Broadleaf, Pennsylvania Broadleaf. Um, not a lot of people have done that, you know. I, I, I think oh, I've and, seen and some Lijero, uh, Lijero, Nicaraguan Lijero in there as well. Phil, yeah, the so, Phil, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, so no, that's uh, but I uh, I got imagine that was a you know, a challenge when you guys have got it out to market, which is which is great news there. Um, is that let me ask you something, Willie? Is that your type of smoke? Right? And I made one. Well, it's not my everyday. Right. Smoke right. Because, you know, I'm more of a Habano guy. Yeah, that's why I asked um, that. And I've always gotten that impression. I love, from Habano. I love yep. Habano to this day. The uh the Heresity Habano. That's my go-to multiple times a day, yep. any time of day smoke. Um, because it's always gonna give you everything. You know, it's going to give you yep. that, that body. It's going to give you that flavor. It's going to give you everything. Right. 
Now, when you go into Maduro's for me, you know, whether it's Mexican uh, San Andreas or Broadleaf or even Matafina, it's more of a, of a night cigar for me or mm -hmm. after a dinner cigar for me. Because during the day, I typically won't do Maduro's um, unless I'm in a lounge uh, wow. or in a shop with AC. You know what I mean? Yeah. You were talking earlier about the weather uh, where you're at. It's still hot, man. It's it's brutal I, here in Miami. <laughs> I Willie, I won't smoke broadleaf outside in North Carolina in the summer. I, I won't. I'm a, most Maduro. I should say Maduro. I just won't smoke it outside. Right. I don't know what it is. I can't smoke it outside in the summer. Yeah. In the air conditioning, I'm fine. But you're right. right. I, I can't. I've said it a lot. I can't do it with, in out mm. here because we get a, not like Miami humidity, but it's still bad enough, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, no over here. I mean, dude, it's. I, you know, one of the great things about the whole pandemic was my kids were already much older and I'm like, OK, they don't need a playroom anymore. So I turned their old playroom into kind of an office slash lounge. And that's where I'm smoking now. And, dude, I haven't smoked outside ever since, man. I'm <laughs> yeah. inside now. <laughs> I'm spoiled. <Sweet. laughs> I know I turned to one of the bedrooms when my kids moved out into an office. Uh, mm. It's the non it's it's the non smoking office. So. Mm. Um, yeah, so I know what that's like too. Uh, and then the studio is is also air conditioned, so that's a little easier. Oh man, yeah, yeah. You, you can smoke any time of day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Matter of cigar, you got the AC. You know, I got all sorts of extractors here, a fan on the window, and so <laughs> the door all sealed up. You know, so nothing yeah. gets into the house. But um, yeah, man, it's just it's just too hot over here to, to smoke something heavy like that. And it's not that. It's 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 a really heavy cigar because it's not. But I prefer more Habano, you know, right. especially during the day. Um, that's just my thing. That's that's what my palate likes, you know. Yeah, no, I've always kind of associated with that original Herrera study, and then of course the old El Titan stuff mm -hmm. as well. Um, that you'd mm -hmm. blended over the years. So, so yeah, that that's kind of why I asked that. It just it seemed like it was a def. Uh, and we'll talk about Underground Ten in a second, but this definitely seemed like it was out like. Not, I'm gonna say you wouldn't smoke, but it seemed like it was not something I would expect you to smoke, knowing you. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely more of a uh, of an evening cigar for me, right. or you know, uh, after a good meal, um, if I'm in the car, you know, and I'm driving at night somewhere. I used to, we used to be able to go before kids. We would go drive down to Naples at least once a week just for dinner, oh. and that, I love that drive down Eighth uh, Street going through the Everglades. And you know, I've and, done it. I've actually done it once. It's it's, it's so it's relaxed. A, it's very it's relaxing. relaxing. Yeah. And I really enjoy a cigar when I'm driving, uh, especially at night. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, for me, any Maduro, whether it's blackened or any other heavy type cigar or Maduro cigar in general, you know, it's it's gonna be at night for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. The uh, you know. I have a couple of other projects I wanted to ask you about. And it's funny, you mentioned the underground shade. And I, I remembered when you were on the show the last time you had talked about how challenging it was to blend a Connecticut shade. Mm -hmm. um, now you have, now this FSG 20 comes out with the Florida tobacco. And I was wondering how did that compare to what you had to do with underground shade? Because this was, again, that's kind of a, you know, different tobacco, something different. Now you guys are going in with the Connecticut shade here. So I was wondering how that experience was. Well, by that point, I had definitely had a lot more experience with the Connecticut shade. Uh, you know, I, 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 I had the, uh, 
I kind of jumped into the, the the Shark Tank with that underground shade. Right. And so I really got a feel for that rapper and what that rapper works with, what that rapper doesn't work with. Yeah. And then playing with the the, the Florida Sun-Grown tobacco, it just, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. You yeah. know, I, I knew the type of profile that I wanted for that cigar. Um, and it, it was definitely easier uh, working on the 20-acre farm versus the underground shade. Right. Underground shade, you know, I popped my cherry with uh <laughs> with that one man <laughs> so it was easier yeah you know that underground shade though you guys did that limited release the suprema yeah i yeah. i love that cigar that was yeah. that's still my favorite size that i don't it was i just thought it really popped in that size isn't it crazy man how you have the same blend and every size just smokes so different yeah. I, I I pick on Aaron about that a lot. <laughs> he says I always pick the wrong size. I always pick you. I said you pick the wrong <laughs> size to review. Well, the problem is that here's the problem. It's not his fault because what you don't what know. Be the you right don't know. Size for him, yeah, is not the right one for you, no. and that happens to me all the time. All the time, you know what I mean. For example, Harrisley Habana. Right. My go-to is that Longsdale size. Right. Right. Now you jump to the Harassley Miami. I rarely smoke Alonzo in that one. For me, the blend hits in that 5x50. Yep. Even the 6x52, the Toro. That's where that, for me, that's where that blend shines. Yep. Yeah, it's just so crazy how you have everybody's palette, how different it is, mm-hmm. and how there's that one size that for every individual that's the one that hits them right yep yeah no it's a it was interesting yeah i was i was always because i was wondering about that that 20 acre farm blend um which was uh like i said a fun blend to kind of remember that was fun one to go through with the uh freestyle live samples and all because uh i'll be honest i didn't i didn't see the florida sun grown coming with that a lot of people did and i i completely missed it so (laughs) I, I had I had a, I had a lot of weird uh, Joe Grote had a weird guesses with that song and that was way off. So yeah. I think yeah. I said Ambrosia without the without the without the C, uh, you know the infusion or the uh, whatever, mm. and he was like, "You're wrong." <laughs> <laughs> so that was good. Um, and then the other one, obviously, big hit for you guys, Undercrown Ten, um, as well. Um, you guys make a more what I kind of I kind of say it's a little more of a premium undercrown you guys have made mm-hmm. and that's that seems to have taken off well. Uh, yeah. How was that project for you uh, working on that? Was that still the same concept from the floor? You know, yeah, one from the floor. Yeah, so that was all hands on deck, you know, because yeah. I didn't want to lose, you know, that feel and how that cigar came to be. Yeah. So when we started working on that, it was a lot of working with the team that worked on the original undercrown. And then I would put in my two cents, then they would smoke and then they would change something. And then I would smoke that. And it was a, a lot of back and forth, a lot of back and forth till, you know, we, we, we all agreed, okay, this is it. And we smoked and everybody was happy, but I, I wanted to have them all involved in the blending of that cigar, you know, because yep. that's, that's how it was born, you know, born right. on the floor. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, um, yes. I mean, it, I think it turned out great. That cigar, I, I, I like, I like that cigar as well. So, uh, good job with that. The packaging came out. Your now, team what's your size now? 
Uh, my size in that one's been the Robusto. Yeah. 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 I, uh, the Robusto was the one. Yeah. I saw, I know some people like, uh, the, the Corona Doble, but I, I, I like that Robusto. Yeah. I love it. I think it shines, you know? Yeah. I, I think it did. I think it did. Alonzo's great. But again, it's every blend is different and every yeah. size is yeah. going to smoke different, you know? Yeah. Uh, I rarely smoke Lonsdale's in that one. Yeah, it's no, it's a, you're going to get a lot of rapper with that Lonsdale. I'll tell you that for sure. Mm-hmm. If, if you like a lot of rapper, um, it's, it's especially if you like a lot of San Andreas, you're going to get it off that Lonsdale. No mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Yep. But that that's a that's a great blend. I love that cigar. That's that's a great, great cigar, you know, because it's 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 one of those cigars where it's so balanced you know, and the flavors are, are just popping at different moments as you're smoking that cigar that it just keeps you, it keeps you excited throughout yeah. the whole smoke. You know what I mean? That yeah. journey, it's, it's, it's just not a boring smoke, you know? Sure. It, it's a great cigar. Love that cigar. Excellent. Aaron, anything else we want to hit with Willie on some of this stuff before we hit him with some of the, uh, the uh, non-cigar fun topics? Yeah, kind of just general question based on a couple topics that we hit on tonight. Because, yep. Willie, earlier you were talking about work, working with this new tobacco that you're kind of smoking. You know, you weren't aware that they were growing in that region, things like that. So you're kind of getting your hands on that. And then we're talking about blending that, you know, that six by 60 and things like that. If you, if someone came to you and said, you, I, I either want you to explore this new tobacco or I want you to explore blending this new Vitola that you haven't blended before, which one would you gravitate towards that you'd be more eager to, tr- to try the new tobacco or the new Vitola? Wh- sure. Which one? New tobacco. Okay. Absolutely. Just you to know? kind of build that encyclopedia in- inside your, in your mind. Yeah. Or- yeah. Because you know, it's it, cigar smokers always looking for something new. Yeah. yeah. Always. Whether it's a new size or a new brand or, Whatever it is, you know, and the best way you could achieve that for me is just a new blend. I, you know, yeah, it's cool to have a, a limited size or, you know, uh, a new size that you add on to something or whatnot. But when you add in a different component that nobody has tasted before, now they're like, oh, man. And they're looking at the cigar and they're trying to figure out what, what it is that they're tasting what it is that's in there that they haven't picked up on before in any other cigar. That's the exciting part for me. Right. And that's giveaway. One that you were talking about earlier, is there a tobacco that you've come across and you've tried it and you, you really want to figure out a way to get it in a blend, but you just haven't put, put something together yet. Well, that one that I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't want you to give it away, but (laughs) yeah. Is is there, is there, is there another one that you've just kind of come across over time and said this is an interesting one i'd like to be able to put this in something at some point uh well there there's a a few other ones mm-hmm. um that I'm, i i saw the tobacco okay but i haven't seen it fermented yet got it so i haven't got my hands on it uh to work with it yet but i did i saw it you know after basically they primed the trees the right plants. okay okay and i looked at it smelled it you know, amazing, amazing yeah. stuff. So I'm just waiting to get my hands on that. Okay. Uh, once it's ready to be nice. rolled, nice. you know. Okay. I, I remember when I was down one of the safaris. I think it was 2017, and you, you were playing with some other country tobaccos. I won't again. I won't give them away. 
I know they didn't make it the market, but I remember I remember smoking them, and I know you were having a lot of fun doing that because you were just looking for some feedback from other people on, on some of those cigars, I remember. So, I yeah, I've seen you. Yeah. You know, I've kind of tasted some of the stuff in action, and, uh, you know, I, I'll just say is, if I don't know if you remember the countries or not, but you should go for it if you have the opportunity. They were good, at least I thought. <laughs> so you could get the tobacco. They were good. Well, that that's the tricky part, man, is just getting your hands on it, you know, because yeah. – yeah, you, you, you get samples and then you like it and then you try to get it and then they just don't have enough. And then you got to figure out, well, do we really want to do a limited release, you know, and just because we can only get X amount because we can't do a whole line because it's so limited, the amounts that we could get. And then you figure out, well, do we do something limited, but then are power people going to take that? Are they going to be upset? Cause it'll be a one and done. It's just, it's so many different components that goes into uh, releasing something new and even more so when it's something limited, you know, cause people love it and then they want more and then, Oh no, sorry. You know, it was a one yeah. and done. I'm not a big fan of that, you know? Yeah, no, I get that too. I mean, from, get it from it's what exciting. you're saying. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I want more of it. You know what I mean? Don't tease me and give me something great that I could get a box or two and then I can't get it anymore. It's it's terrible. I just know from like the readers I have on my site, if, if it's any barometer, it's just the, they keep going back to the stuff that's been around year after year. It's where it's not the one and done stuff. They don't really it has a short shelf life, but there's, you know, people are still reading what I wrote about Herrera Esteli uh, mm-hmm. back in 2013, you know, so, right. so it, 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 it ha- I, I, again, I'm not using saying it's a scientific barometer, but what I am saying is I see the patterns at least because you know, people ask me what, what, what they read on my site. And uh, I see them read a lot of, of particularly the, the Drew estate does very well on the site, but I see it's particularly these tried and true brands that you've had over the past 10 years that, right. that keep coming up. Yeah. You know, a lot goes into every time you're working on a blend, um and you're and you're releasing something new and you you know you don't want it to be you know a one and done you want people to continue to enjoy it over and over and over and you know like you had said early on you know during the whole pandemic thing the most important thing for me is maintaining that consistency you know of all the existing brands it's not just you know coming up with new stuff yeah that's exciting it's fun but the, the most important thing is, you know, making sure that Underground 10 tastes how it came out, you know, the same way. And the Herrera Habano, it tastes the same way. And, you know, all the cigars, it's, you know, you have to. That's the most important thing, you know. And, you know, the tobacco, is, it's a natural product. And every growing season is different. And so you're, you're always, always doing samples and always tasting, make sure the strength is still the same. The sweetness is still the same, you know, of all the individual tobaccos that are going into into all the individual blends right? Uh, and cigars that you're making, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, Willie, again, you've been there over 10 years and, you know, you don't hear the story of how you got this bad tobacco and you just can't make this cigar. I mean, it's just it, you guys have been able to continue to make these cigars. And I think that's a, a great thing to, to hear. I've seen some coming. Well, we can't get this tobacco. We can't make this cigar anymore. You know, right? Uh, you guys have been doing a great job with that, and I think that's important. Um, and they're they're like I said, they're these are things that are out there that we can continue to smoke on a regular basis. So, 
Yeah, that, that like I said, that goes back to the team, man. That goes back to the team, and they're on top of it. And then you know, if there there is, man, we just can't get this right. Try this, this, the you know, whatever, whatever. Then they, I get the samples, you know. Or if I yeah. hear something, uh, well, X cigar is not burning right. Then I'm running, go getting boxes in the warehouse, right. opening them up, smoking them, trying to figure out what's going on. I remember years ago. There was a problem with the cigar, you know. We were having issues with um, the cigar tunneling, and where they're like they just scratching their head in the factory trying to figure out what it was. So I got a bunch of boxes, and I'm smoking and cutting and opening and and kind of dissecting the stuff, the cigars. And it was one tobacco that was the problem, and uh-huh. that's what was causing the the issue. So we were able to figure out what it was and correct it, you know. Yeah. But it's, you know, there's definitely a lot of, uh, I don't know, any other industry, uh, whether it's soda or whatnot, if people are constantly drinking sodas, you know, within, <laughs> you know, the, the exact so or not to make sure it's tasting right. And right. This, right. maybe it's a little bit different because yeah. it's a machine. OK, put this amount, this amount and, and you make the, the stuff. But with cigars, you know, it's it's every growing season is different and every yep. every tobacco mm-hmm. every year is going to taste different and. You're you're constantly just adjusting all those blends, man. Constantly uh, right. to keep them uh, smoking and tasting the same. Yeah, I think like I said, uh, it's a you know when I hear you know the term master blender, I think it's a very important job of the master blender. Not just the innovation, obviously, very important, but that other piece is extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's I I uh, applaud you guys for that too. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I, I know. I, I know. I appreciate that as a smoker taking my media hat off. Um, yeah. I, I know. I appreciate that as a smoker a lot. Uh, I know yeah. sometimes I don't sometimes things happen and it's because the handmade product, but I get it. Yeah. So uh, I know people will appreciate that as well. I'm definitely very proud of that, man. Very proud of the team. And, you know, like I said, it's 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 a lot of a lot of hands that are involved um, making sure that all those products are yeah. always tasting the same, you know, year yeah. in and year out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, by the way, there's a wish list in the chat, Lily, on, on stuff I'm seeing from you. From They want Cameroon, Barber Poles. So uh, <laughs> I'm just saying there is stuff, there is stuff that's coming in our chat here from our audience. So. There's always something, man. There's always you, something in the works. Yeah. You guys had a Cameroon at Nirvana a few years ago. So I remember yeah. that one. You guys had that one. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, uh, yep. So people are, so obviously people are thinking too. So, all right. All right. So Willie, this is our, what I call the cattle baron steak question tonight. It's related to steak. Um, and what I want to ask you tonight is when you have a steak, what is the side dish you like to have with that steak? I'm going to go with mashed potatoes. Very, uh, mm-hmm. had it this weekend with a steak. Well, last week. I'm, I'm, I'm a simple guy. Yeah. I'm a simple guy. Now, now it also depends what type of steak. So if you go the Cuban route, like a palo, you know, you ever have palomilla steak mm-hmm. when you're down here in Miami? Yep. Give me rice and beans. Yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> I'm not getting mashed potatoes with a palomilla. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was funny. My wife made rice and beans a couple of weeks ago for the, like the first time. And, uh, 
I actually thought it was pretty good. And I, I was laughing. I said, why? I said, well, yeah, I, I kind of have a lot of rice and beans when I go on these trips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a, cause I'm not, I'm not a big egg. I don't eat egg at all, but so breakfast, I'm always eating the rice and beans. It's like right. breakfast. And then, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, she was like, yeah, I said, yeah, it's, uh, it's like, you know, she's actually pretty, I'm not going to say it's as good as the stuff I've had, uh, from Latin America, but, but she didn't do bad with it. I'm going to say that. So, uh, nice. Nice. Uh, so, now, so she she made what like gallo pinto like in Nicaragua, or yeah. she made actual black beans. No, the gallo pinto. Oh, okay. Yep. Nice. Yep. She's gonna try the black beans one next time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was like, it was it was good. I gotta say, it was good. So uh, she, she did good with that. Yeah. Uh, nice. She just wanted to try it. It wasn't anything, and she I don't think she realized. I don't think I ever talked to her about how much it's a staple when I go on these trips. And I was just, I was just laughing. And she's like, I didn't realize that. I said, yeah, it's a big part of the diet in these countries. Uh, big time. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, oh, oh, the, the mashed potato question. I, so I got a question for you on this. Okay. Do you like your mashed potatoes a little more creamy or more fluffy? Because this is a debate we have in our house. I'm the creamy side. My wife likes the fluffy side. I'm more the creamy guy. I'm more the creamy guy too. Yeah, I told. Her, I said it's gotta be more creamy. I'm more the creamy guy. Now, one of the debates we have here. See, I grew up eating Hungry Jack. You know, you know Hungry Jack. What that is? The TV dinner. No. The oh, the, the no, the, the mashed. I'm thinking of oh, the mashed potato. This instant yes. mashed potato. Yeah, I'm that's sorry, like yeah. these little flaky stuff. Yeah, and you just add the milk or whatever. Yeah, I love that, man. I used to have yeah. those in college. You you could put them in the microwave and do it. Love yeah. it. My yeah. wife, every time I bring it up, she wants to punch me in the face. Like, <laughs> Why? What's wrong with it? That's not yeah. real potatoes. Yes, it is. They just yeah. try. They just, they just try them out. That's all they do. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that, man. I love it. Yeah. But she'll never make it. So. Yeah. I get the creamy stuff, the real deal all the time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's funny because, yeah, I, I used to have the, we used to, I used to buy those in college and put them in the microwave. I just remember <laughs> you just put like milk in it in the microwave and it would come oh, out. Man, that, it's so good. That, yeah, man. I grew potato. up on that. Yeah, yeah. My mother never wore a potato in her life to do like real potatoes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> all right. So this, yeah. uh, this is what I call Willie. This is called the ties that bind question. I'll explain what that is. Uh, it's actually a song from Bruce Springsteen, but uh, the ties that bind are related to, I'm going to name three things, and you got to tell me what they all have in common. All right. I think I threw you the biggest softball ever tonight with this one, is all I'm going to say. Oh, boy. Here Aaron, we go. Do, you, do you know the answer to this one? Uh, I think I do know the answer, Okay, but I'm not going to say anything. No, don't say anything, okay? Because Aaron doesn't know the answer, but I'm going to name three things, and I I'm going to bet you're going to get it. Either you're going to get it right or you're going to tell me they don't have these things in common is what you're going to tell me. <laughs> you tell, yeah, you're going to tell Coop they, he put them together and they have no. They have no thing in common, but yeah. I think you're going to know the answer one way or another. All right, so here are the three things, okay? Eggs, condensed milk, sugar. Blanc. All right. Was too yep. easy. I, tell, <laughs> I was worried you're going to tell me because it was funny when I wrote this. I said, is it condensed milk or evaporated milk? I'm like, so, it's well, fine. I use both. I okay. use both okay. <laughs> when I make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be condensed milk. OK, it, that's I had it right then. I had it you right. Did. Yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> hey, what, what if I would have said scrambled eggs? Yeah, if it was, you if could, it was you right, yeah, you could have, but I, I mean, that's of, I don't know that I've ever had eggs scrambled eggs like that, but <laughs> I'll try it. <laughs> oh, sugar man. with the sugar, I don't know, yeah. I mean, uh, but yeah, I was like, okay, 
I, I said he's going to get this one, but I had I had to throw something. And I have a, another flan question coming up for you. So, so uh, I have a question for you, Coop. Yeah. So I know that you want to try this flan, but it has eggs in it. You're no, not going to try it. I've, the only flan I've had is with egg substitute, and I was told it's not bad, but it's not close to what it has, what, what an egg flan is. Mm-hmm. So You're talking to I, a master I, blender, so he's going to tell uh, you uh, no good. I know. But the, it, <laughs> so I can't get over that. Billy, I just don't eat eggs. And the problem is it's, it's a psychosomatic thing. And I was I had flan with, with, with uh, an egg substitute, and I, I, I was willing to try it. And, and, and they said, it's good, but you're not anywhere close to a really good flan is what they told me. So if I were to make a flan and told you, hey, Coop, it doesn't have eggs, you'll try it? Yes, and then probably we'll have eggs, though, is probably in the back of my mind, though. That's going to be the problem. <laughs> there, there are special eggs grown in a South American country, so it's, you know, it's okay. I, I, I tried creme brulee once, and I just couldn't. I was just like, I knew all. I, I was like, <laughs> I was yeah, like eating different. around the crust. That, of, that, yeah. I mean, that looks yellow. Yeah. yeah. It's screaming eggs. You know what I mean? Not a flan, though. No, a flan, yeah. I don't know, and, man. I think I could get you to uh to to tear up a flan if I make it. Be a challenge. That would be the ultimate challenge. <laughs> All right. So, Will, I got a few more questions for you. I'm going to jump right into this segment. This is our Alec Bradley Live True segment, sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley. Uh, visit alecbradleycigars.com to learn more. All right. And these are just some more rapid fire questions, Willie. Um, for you and. It's the I'm gonna go right in. I wanted to kind of segue this right into flan here. So, Willie, what's the best outside of the Herrera house? Okay, <laughs> where's the best place to go for flan in Miami? Actually, you could buy it at supermarkets, man. Really? It's a brand called Lila's. Okay. Lila. And they're amazing. Okay. Amazing, amazing stuff. As far as flans go, there's different, but there's different types of flan, right? Yours is yeah. more. What's your? Is yours more? What's the style? I've heard of Mexican flans and different flans. What? Wow. What? What? What is when you? Is yours just basic classic Cuban one? Yeah, yeah, and just straight up because Cubans also do the coconut one. Uh-huh. It's good, but I, I like just straight up traditional flan. Not the one with the coconut. I'll eat the one with the coconut, and I'll enjoy it. But uh, I make the, the regular traditional one. Interesting. I'll say, if I am down there, Willie, I will try your flan. It's, that will be the ultimate test for me. I'm just going to tell you that. Okay. I, I, it's, it's the one thing with egg that I might just be, if that gets me over the line with it, it will be bit major news on this show. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> You yeah. just give me a heads up when you're going to be down here. All right. Make it the day before. Nice. Nice. Appreciate it. All right. And all right. This next question. Where's the best place for Cuban coffee in Miami? Man, there's multiple. You got Versailles. You got Carreta. And then you got the place right across the street from El Titan. <laughs> so there's oh, 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 that place is great. <laughs> That's my place. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there. The one right across the street's got the counter on the outside. Yep. That's yeah. It. That's I it. went there on a Sunday morning to get the Cuban coffee, uh, mm-hmm. like last year. Like, it was the easiest thing to get. I was 
street was completely open to park and everything, and they were open. So I, I know <laughs> I went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's hard to get bad Cuban coffee. Yeah. As long as, as long as it's like a cafeteria or a Cuban restaurant, it's hard to get bad Cuban coffee. Yeah. You know, the only bad Cuban coffees I've ever gotten is what, you know, you go to a restaurant and they offer you espresso. Yeah, right. the espresso that they make is like one of these little fancy machines, and it's using a different type of coffee. Yeah. That's not espresso for me. Espresso is, you know, the 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 old school machines that they have in these cafeterias or in these little markets or like the place across the street that you yep. went to. Just old school. They're banging the thing on the wooden uh, two by four in the yeah <laughs> in the garbage thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, if it's one of those, it's gonna be good. Yeah, from the Italian household standpoint, um, we we would call it demitas, uh, which is just basically espresso, and it was the same thing. You you don't the only way you would make that is on the stovetop, is how you would make that. Uh, that was the old old way you make it. You don't make it any way other way. It doesn't taste the same. I mean, no. I, out of a machine or even a, I've seen people use the drip machines for it, and like, no, oh, you can't. You have to do it on the stovetop with that one. Yeah, uh, yeah and you got to get sure. it very fine. I mean. Those those espressos have to be very finely ground too, or otherwise mm-hmm. it's not right. Mm-hmm. It just you don't get it. Yeah. All right. This is a I've never asked this question before, so this may be the dumbest question I asked, but <laughs> I added this one in tonight. So there's a rocket going into space, Willie. Okay. And I think I know the answer you're gonna have for this one now. And you could put one Drew Estate cigar into space for some someone in another world to try that they can get this. It's in the spacecraft. What's the cigar you put in? Uh, it's got to be my Habano Lonsdale. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. I knew the answer to that one after tonight. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, got to be my Habano Lonsdale. Yeah, no, it's good. All right. Uh, Movie-wise, what are some of your favorite movies? Oh, man. Some of my favorite movies, they're old school movies. So Mad Max, mm-hmm. Road Warrior, uh, Conan the Barbarian, Uh Beastmaster, you remember that? Yep. yep. Oh yeah. That they were going way back. I was. I love. I I love Conan. Arnold back in that Conan was like, and I remember we, I didn't do it, but a bunch of guys I knew did the Conan for Halloween. That was a big thing one year. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what else? Heat. You seen that movie Heat? Yeah. Oh yeah. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Great movie. movie. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, obviously Scarface. You know, I'm all over the place, man. Yeah. I'm all over the place. Uh, I saw this movie again the other day, Heist. That's also Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro and uh, Ed something. I don't know if you've seen that one. Ed, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Yes, Edward Norton. Edward Norton played the guy with like Tourette's or something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good awesome actor. Movie. Edward Norton's a really good actor, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Really yeah. That was a great movie. Yeah, I'm all over that. I'm just not big on like horror movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's only probably like three or four I'd watch, and that's about it. These are some of the classic ones, and most of the newer ones I just can't get into either. They're just too. You know, uh... The newer ones for me, like the horror movies I like are the old school horror movies. You know, yeah. the 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 Jason, the, even the Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, those guys. But now these new movies with it's just too weird for me. It's, I don't know. They're, 
not my thing. You yeah, know, I keep seeing the commercial for that Nun 2 that's going to come out now or yeah. something. Yeah, no, yeah. That's not scary for me. It's just weird. It's weird. My, one of my sons is into that, and he's in his 20s. He's like, enjoy it. I'm not going to see it. <laughs> that's like my buddy, man. I have a buddy of mine, and that, he just loves all he just loves that, you know, the, the, that, that type of movie and he just can't get enough of them. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Right. Nice. All right. A vacation spot that you haven't been to that you'd like to tackle and go to that vacation spot. You haven't ever mm-hmm. been there before. Oh man. Yellowstone. Mm. Dying to get out there. I have not done Yellowstone. I've done Yosemite, but not Yellowstone. It's completely different. Yeah. That's a, See, I yeah. like anything outdoors. You know, I'm more of an outdoors guy. Um, so I would love to, I would love to go to Yellowstone. Yeah, that's uh, very much on my list. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, I have a client who actually moved to Wyoming near Yellowstone. Yeah. He's only about 20 miles away, but I haven't been able to get up to see him. Oh, yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, right. Definitely amazing. All right. I'm going to see if this next question, someone's finally going to answer it differently, but I, I threw it back in there. Have you ever played hooky from school? No. All right, you're the first. <laughs> you're the first. I was always too scared. All right. I was you... too scared. My mother will find out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, everyone has answered that yes. Now, Here's the thing. Either they, they, they don't want to admit that they didn't do it, right? Because it's like, yeah, look, I played hooky. Or, but you're the first one to come to and say no. So, Yeah, no, no. I, you know, I, I, was, I was a little rowdy, let's call it, in elementary school. And so after elementary school, my mother stuck me in private school. So in private school, it was a smaller school. I think we, the whole school had like 300 kids. Our grade, my my graduating class, I think, was under twenty kids. Oh yeah, so they they knew it. They knew it. There was a no way of getting door. around it, man. You know, yeah. they were gonna know you weren't there, and yeah. that call was gonna go out, and yeah, it wasn't gonna be good. So I was always petrified. <laughs> so never did it. No, wow, wow, good for you, good for you for being straight on that one. All right, the last question tonight: If you had your own reality show, what would the title of it be? <laughs> The Herrera House. <laughs> that would be a cool one, yeah. Oh, it would be entertaining. Because there's a whole, the, the cast of characters in this place, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> Do some scenes at El Teton. I'd love to see that. <laughs> you, did you ever see that show, Que Pasa USA? I have. All right. So the, that's kind of, you have an idea of what that show would be like mm-hmm. if you've seen Que Pasa USA. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be something like that. Yeah, it. Uh, what's cool about Kepasa USA is like they have the English translation of it. I've seen, so <laughs> so yeah, I actually was able to understand it. But that that's a long time. Kepasa USA goes way back. Yeah. 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 That. I well, mean, I, I had a little kid, man. That's I was forty years ago. I was. I yeah. I'm just thinking. I was. I might have been still in Brooklyn when that was. Uh, <laughs> when that show first came on, and. I just remember, I, you know, back then we only had like nine channels. So, I mean, there was one yeah. of them was a Spanish channel. But then I remember years later, there was an English one that came out, which was pretty right. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So the show will be something like that for sure. Right. right. 
Well, Willie, uh, I want to thank you very much. I appreciate. I know we got you on. Uh, you know, we had to confirm this on short notice and everything. So, no, it's late. We do appreciate your time uh, and everything Absolutely. you've done. Thank you guys for the support, of course. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, thanks for having you, us, man. Thanks no for problem. having me. No, Absolutely. no problem. No problem, Willie. Uh, and like I said, uh, you'll get. I'll have to bring you in Miami when we do that. Let me know, man. All right. We're going to do that test. We should do it live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We may have to film that because uh, no one will ever believe it. <laughs> All right. I mean, Willie. There's a first time for everything. Exactly. Right. All right, Willie. Be safe and we'll catch you down the road uh, for sure. All right, fellas. Take care. All, All right. right. Thanks, Willie. All yeah. right. That's Willie Herrera, the uh, master blender at uh, Drew Estate. Um, so let me kind of just catch up on a couple of uh, sponsored things. And then uh, um, we have a good I think we have a good deliberation segment, Aaron. And we, yeah. I think tonight this, this yeah. day Fortnite thing. So, yeah, you're going to want to tune in on it. We're going to talk about the day Fortnite thing. But uh, first, let's get in some of the words from our sponsors. Um, and of course, uh, I don't have the reads up, which uh, which is a uh, shame on me. But. I was looking. I was looking something up before the show. All right, here we go. The uh, of course, we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age, because Cuba's leaf choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars, because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo seeds, and in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the JRE Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with JRE Tobacco, Hunas and Huso bring their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Limited Edition, and each represent the Golden Age of Scars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at Yolk Hotel. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every draw. Of course, we want to mention Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they're uh, cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Drew Estate, and Aganorsa Leaf. Uh, you'll find the best cigar selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company, best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. Place an order online or on their website or visit one of Corona's five Central Florida cigar superstars and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. So we have, before we get into, uh, we have one more segment we're going to do. is It's the Espinosa This Day in Sports History question. And it's, of course, brought to you by Espinosa Cigars. Makers of uh, award-winning brands such as Espinosa 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinosa and smoke Espinosa every day. All right, Aaron. Uh, Aaron, this is a Yankees question tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to see if you can get this one. Yeah. All right. So this was a tough day to do. Actually, it was just it was nothing that was really a good question, right? So I kind of and and I wasn't going to give you a football question, right? So uh, I want to, but here it is. This f- former New York. So this person died on this day in 2017. Right, and he's a former New York Yankees player, manager, and general manager, and he never got a World Series ring in any of those capacities. Who is that person who died on September seventh, two thousand seventeen? 
I'll probably need a hint here because. <clears throat> okay. The only the only person I think of, and I know it's not right because I don't one, I don't think he was a general manager. Mm-hmm. And two, I think he died way before 2017. The only person I would think of was be Billy Martin, but it, it was not Billy Martin, but right. it was someone from the Stein. This guy was very much associated with the Steinbrenner era. And he was he was a little more beloved by George. He was very yeah. beloved by George, this guy. And he never really kind of even when he got removed as like a manager, mm-hmm. George didn't like kind of kick him out of the organization. He always kind of hung yeah. around this guy. I just don't have the Yankee knowledge, I think, to know, to kind of know that ecosystem. Um, but he became very associated with the Yankee resurgence, if that's another hint. This guy Yankee was very resurgence. much associated with the Yankee resurgence in the 90s. Shit. See, the general manager thing is what's throwing me off here. Yeah. He was a manager. He was a manager. Yeah. I'll even tell you when he was the manager, and then maybe that will ring it, right? Okay. So in in 1981, um, Bob Lemon took over as the manager of the Yankees mm-hmm. when they fired when they fired um I think it was uh I forget who Are you saying Bob Lemon is the guy? No, this guy actually managed before and after Bob Lemon. Okay. It's not Bob Lemon. In 81, I'm like five years old, man. I I don't know. Um, And I'll throw throw another one at you. Okay. So, George Steinbrenner got kicked out of baseball over the Howie Spirit thing. You kind of know about that, right? Right. This guy was named the baseball guy to to take charge of the organization for the next few years. And he's the one who basically – built that team back because they were bad when it's probably this is probably easy and i'm gonna feel stupid when i don't since i don't get it okay i think you're just gonna have to tell me i don't know this one gene michael yeah it's you know not even i didn't really know that hard a question i apologize right no that's fine it's fine but you know know, it's funny gene michael was so associated with new york with the new york yankees Mm. that's why i thought it might be an easy one right i didn't think it was gonna be that hard but gene michael was a guy like Steinberg would fire him and he put him back in the front office is what he was. He never, oh, okay. I don't think he ever gave Gene Michael the boot. He might've once, he right. might once give him the boot, but like when it, yeah, uh, Gene Michael's always viewed as a better general. Like he was actually not a good manager with the Yankees. Mm. Like when he took over, um, he was not a good manager and, uh, the Yankees had a pretty bad year under him actually. Right. Uh, the two times he was a two time manager of the Yankees and, um, but uh, but a lot of people had him anointed as the success of the Billy Martin for years. Like so, okay. So Billy Martin was going through getting fired, right? right. Gene Michael had gone transitioned from players into the minor league managing roles, so he was managing the Yankees Columbus Clippers team at the time, mm-hmm. and everyone had him anointed as the next Yankee manager. Uh, in fact, they gave it to Dick Hauser over Gene Michael, uh, which right. was controversial. And then when Gene Michael got it, he was just an awful manager, and mm-hmm. um. It was when he went into the general manager role that he really did good. But Steinbrenner fired him before he fired him again before the 96 team. And, and actually, it was Bob Watson who right. got the job then. And then Bob Watson was fired after the 97 season. And then Cashman comes in in 98. Right. So, okay. yeah. So Gene Michael, who was a, it, it said, I probably just took my New York hat for granted because he was such a, a, a figure in New York. 
uh, for sure. Yeah, but I, in, in some of those instances, it's going to just not, not be like in my consciousness, and some, and it would not wouldn't just be the Yankees. It could be in any number of teams that just didn't have the, um, you know, didn't have my attention at that point. Yeah, I could get that too. I kind of get you know, the age factor here is obviously what made. Yep. Uh, it, it's really interesting talking to some of my older relatives right now um, on the Yankees, like in the words like Steinbrenner would have been had three firings already. Right. 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 Uh, <laughs> Steinbrenner would have never put up with this. Right. <laughs> He's rolling uh, over in his grave. And uh, <laughs> uh, and, and the opposite, they, the Yankees have had a general manager for 25 years. I remember when they had general managers, multiple general managers in a year. Sometimes they would. have. Yeah. They yeah. would because George just had. He had no patience with uh, as much as managers. He didn't. Have, he went to a slew of general managers in in the eighties. Yeah, people don't realize. Uh, uh, I could just like Pete Petersons and Clyde <laughs> Kings and uh, yeah, it's uh, Gene Michaels. So yeah, they were. Uh, Lou Pinello was. People forget Lou Pinello was a general manager in the Yankees at one point. Yeah, George decided to fire him, but he didn't. He liked Lou, so he promoted him to general manager. And Lou was an awful general manager. Right. Like yeah. Lou's a field guy. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So did the Yankees? The Yankees lost, uh, according to you. So Yankees did lose today. Always a to good the thing. Tigers. Yeah. Always a good thing. But the, the, the Lions also won. I think is kind of what initiated that. Was that okay? Yeah. I I called. By the way, I just said this. I was on a couple of football shows, but I I said Andy Reid malaise. I was not a believer that they would. I, Andy Reid the year after Super Bowl is usually a, does. He's like he's in a funk. So yeah. I think I I. Uh, so um, I said that that I think they were going to take a step back this year. So, wow! Then uh, um, Tom was—I haven't seen the Tom Wazuka post yet, so I'm sure that's coming. <laughs> All right. So yeah, I mean, baseball playoffs are uh, really, really getting close right now. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be a great playoff run this year. Mm-hmm. Um, as much I don't think the Phillies are going to the World Series. I'm, I'm going to be real. We're going to have to have something like last year happen to the Braves to first time because we're going to have to go to the Braves. But yeah. I'm a Braves LA uh, championship series could be an epic one. Oh yeah, it could be. I mean, I I really think uh it could be. And uh, I mean, in the AL, um, Texas is just completely falling apart. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that they just got. I mean, I don't think it. I was expecting them to have the kind of run they did early so i think it was expected they may probably fall off a bit and their pitch their their starting pitching has really the injuries just got to them got to them you know? it got to them yeah. i mean degrom was the first one to fall but when the year Evaldi was having and then he got injured that just i think that kind of yeah you know that really took some steam out of them yeah, yeah. and then now they got you know now they're you know, one of their best hitters is uh on the al so it's just it's kind of falling apart for them i think yeah, I think the big thing actually could be happening in the offseason. Um, I guess I'm hearing this now from a lot of people that Francona is going to retire. Okay. That's I guess that's I've been hearing that all week. Um, that he's this is going to be well, what happens this year? He's going to he's going to retire. It's, and it's 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 physical reasons more than anything is what I'm hearing. He's just, you know, he's Yeah, I mean, stuff. watching him do press conferences is kind of like sad. It's just he seems it, it, very like yeah. he's like labored breathing and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem in good health. No, I don't think I could. See and he's him. he's had no, no, you know a number of like heart issues or whatever during yeah. the seasons, or he's a, he's had to miss you know gaps of games and stuff. So yeah, you know he like when he was at the Phillies, I don't want to say he was an awful manager. He was a new manager, and he had no talent though with the Phillies. I mean that was a, they were just bad teams he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know I I 
I don't look at him as a, I don't look at him as a negative back then. It was just, he wasn't, he didn't have anything to work, work with, but he was still a new manager learning his way. So, uh, you know, he's actually not a guy who's hated in Philadelphia as a manager as well. Yeah. He never was. People just said, uh, we got to, you know, then, then they brought, they brought in Larry Boa. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's when, uh, things got a little better. So, all right. So before we get into our last segment, let's, um, to the last round of our sponsors here. And first I want to mention J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. The J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elver Hole, J.C. Newman is our premium cigar by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the All-American Cigar, the American, and now the Angel Cuesta. The J.C. Newman Pence Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, Pearl de Mar, El Batuan, Quorum, and Yago cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With long-time partners, the Arturo Fuente family, uh, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income family. In the Dominican Republic, with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders at a Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has their very own brand to market with uh, uh, their Casa Cuevas cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line or the Cuevas Reserva line. And also try their latest release, Sangre Nueva. And uh, if they don't carry it, be sure to ask your over to your retailer for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our Casa to yours. And we're going to get into our Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust Industry Deliberation segment, sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the consensus uh, from Half Wheel, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Tricky Traca. And in 2022, with the Mi Carita Black Saka Khan. Visit DTT Scars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbart Tobacco and Trust. All right. Uh, so I want to talk about the Dave Portnoy controversy here um, with his one by pizza review. So before I ask that, did you see the video at all? I have seen the video, yes. Okay. So let's talk first about the video, okay? Mm-hmm. And get some initial impressions of it. Because I have. I have some thoughts on this that are probably aren't popular with this. Okay. So um I'll go first and then you can kind of counterpoint me on this. Right. Um I think the guy so it was a guy in um Massachusetts, Dave Portnoy had went into the pizza place and he comes out with his box of pizza and uh he does his usual bite thing. He gives he gives the pizza a six point four score. Mm-hmm. So he originally advertised it as his lowest scores, and I saw a lot lower scores than that, right? Yeah. I've seen worse, and he, but he wasn't high on the pizza. He commented he, he didn't like it was very soggy, and it was Parmesan heavy, and, you know. Yeah. But in the middle of this video, the guy who owns the store comes out, and he starts, like, basically blasting Dave mm-hmm. over not so much because he didn't know what the score was, this guy. Yeah. Right? I, he, yeah. He had no idea what the score was. But he kind of came out and just said, basically, hey, at first, uh, enjoy your pizza. Um, and um, but I don't like what you do. Dave right. kind of comes, counters him. 
tries to remind people he has raised money for small businesses and stuff. The guy's like, look, enjoy your pizza. I don't want no part of you. He goes back in. But then he comes back out about a minute later, almost a minute later. <laughs> and Dave's still eating a pizza. He's talking to people. He's holding court like with a bunch of people. Right. And he's a little annoyed at the guy. But now he's like, the guy comes out and the guy's like, get out. I don't want you standing in front of my place. Yeah. Um, it leads to uh, a lot of profanity being laced you know in there <laughs> um and the guy says i'm gonna go get the police dave's like they're right across the street you know he's not gonna get them uh public street blah 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 but uh some name calling ensues and then the guy goes back in yeah all right so i have two i have a couple i have two comments on this first of all the guy has a right i think the guy has a right to tell dave he doesn't like the platform i, mean, sure. I think he has every right absolutely to Yes. And and guess what? If he's in front of his pizza place doing it, good for him to do that, right? Yeah. I thought that Dave didn't need to curse the guy out and start making fat jokes at him. I mean, engaging <laughs> the guy a little more professionally, he, he, it was like Dave started immediately going to that, and it's entertaining, it's fun, but uh, in fairness, the guy didn't... I, I don't know who cursed who out first, and I don't remember who. The but, guy might have cursed Dave out first, in fairness. I think he did. I think he did. And then Dave just really led into him. But I think at the same time, this is my opinion. You got to be the bigger guy here. Um, and then just, you know, I understand it. You want to talk about, uh, you know, some of the points you do and everything. That's fine. But but that was my opinion. I, did, I didn't like that. Um, I didn't like what it's starting to turn into. It turned into a little more of a circus show at that point, as opposed to, all right, the guy, you know, try to counter the guy out and, and say with the debate. So those are my thoughts. I'll get into some of the comparisons with the cigar industry in a bit, but I want to just kind of talk about this piece first. Yeah, I have lots of thoughts on this video. Um, for one, uh, if you want to go at the guy, go at the guy when he's at the counter, right? Because you're not video, they're not filming at that point usually and all that stuff. Right. When, when he's filming and you come out. You know exactly what you were doing. He knew exactly what he was doing. already fucked up. Like, because here's the deal, like, if you do it on air, you're you're shooting for one of two things. One is you're shooting that you're gonna you're gonna best Dave, and you're gonna get the, all this like business from it, you know, because oh, this is the guy that you know that beat David his own kind of game, yeah. right? But that was like kind of the that's overconfidence at that point, man, because you know that you're probably gonna get smashed, and then it's gonna really do bad for you. And obviously, it's kind of had some negative effects for him already, you know, kind of seeing how that things have gone, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't really understand that. Like, you don't, you don't come at the guy on his own platform to do it. Like, I just don't see how you win in that scenario. If you want to have that one-on-one -on -one with him where it's not like a being a filmed event, maybe do it that way. Right. But I mean, obviously he's seen his content. He knows the kind of guy he is. I don't right. think he could be too shocked at, at the response. Um, and yes, you you could have that thing where you're saying I'm going to be the bigger guy. I'm not going to go after this guy, but that's not, that's not his. That's just right. not his style. And I think right. he did what he he did he does. Um, I don't. I'm not going to fault him for it. Um, I don't think he went over the line. I mean, <laughs> I mean, making fun of the guy's weight. He the guy's not a big guy. He's not. Right. But you know, he is wearing a kid's t-shirt. He is wearing a kid's Star Wars t-shirt. Yeah, you can make you can make fun of him. Like that's the thing is like you're. You're making a joke out of something that like really doesn't exist, but in in the kind of in the scenario it does, and you know maybe that's what gets under the guy's skin. And if you can like egg on the guy, like the guy's not going to come and punch you on TV, you wouldn't think. But 
maybe he does. And then, right. <laughs> you know, things work out for you anyway. But um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what that guy's thinking. It just didn't seem like he was thinking. I think he just, you know, saw red and just kind of went for it and it just wasn't going to work out for it. But um, th- that one guy in there was just disturbing to me where like his name was like the year of whatever he called himself. Oh and yeah. He, he would yeah. just like, it was weird. Cause he would just like, it almost like he would just like hover into the hover into the shot and like hover out and then hover back in and like get right up in date, like in Dave's face. I'm like, this dude's creepy, man. I just don't get it. So I have a thought on that and I'm glad you mentioned that. Right. So, okay. The first part I want to mention is one thing I learned about, as I started watching a lot of these one part, I hadn't really watched them a lot. And after yeah. this, I watched a lot. And one thing I learned is Dave doesn't take the camera into the store. Right. And that's right. a one. Th- so this guy had to know that Dave, like he, he, your point really hits that I didn't think of this. He had to know that Dave was um coming out. Like, yeah. you know, and so he had his movement. I think this guy was a plant because he said he worked for this pizza place at one time. I right. think he was a total plant there to set up, set up and keep Dave distracted till what, till, you know, he can come out at the right time. Uh, I think, okay. I, be- I I thought that now that you're saying about the, ca- you know, now I think it makes all sense. It was something weird about him from the very beginning. Yeah. He's a weird dude. He was I don't weird, know, man. What was the guy's name? It was like, yeah. Uh, year of us yeah it was something it, 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 he gave his name first and then he said he, like the, he calls himself or he says it's the year of in yeah. his name i'm like this dude is just super weird he was uh, so it, i i've watched some of these videos from time to time i don't watch them on a regular basis like i'm not like when it comes out i don't get notified or anything like that where i'm like trying to stay on top of it but you know i've seen i've seen a few dozen of them but the one thing that bothers me a lot is people that want to get on like when he's filming and want to get a piece of pizza and stuff like that like yeah that irritates the shit out of me like, like i did i i thought that too when i started watching these so if he, if he wants to hire a guy that just punches the people that come up to him to get a piece of pizza i will take that i will put my application in for that job so <laughs> I, would, I would i would do that he, you know so dave you know staten island where i spent my teenage years in new york I, i'm just is a unbelievable pizza mecca it really is i know people talk about new haven but i would say staten island really holds its own and he did the tour of staten island right um and it was going on like crazy at all the staten island pizzas because everyone knew he was around he was around yeah right so they were kind of going to eat like i I think i saw a couple of the same people in the videos a couple of times right right? yeah going around (laughs) going on tour with them Going on tour, to, you know, yeah. people saw him from cars and everything. And, and Staten Island's very, uh, it's a very neighborhood type of driven. New York mm-hmm. City in general is very neighborhood driven. Every right. every little neighborhood's a hamlet kind of in, in itself. So yep. um, it, 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 that was what interests me to see him in some of these neighborhoods where I, he wasn't in the neighborhood. He didn't go to a pizza place in the neighborhood I was in. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I grew up, but he, he was in some, I, I've been in some of the pizza places he's been in. Yeah. So, and I think he, and I'll just say, I think he was spot on with it because there's one pizza place called Danino's, which mm-hmm. is like considered the best pizza. And he went to another place, uh, Joe and Pat's, and had that higher. And I've always yeah. said, Joe and Pat, I was like, okay, he knows what he's talking about here with that. Yeah. So, you know, but back to, you know, back to this whole thing with is the one bite pizza review, okay, is it a fair review? Well, it's never one bite, right? It's, it's, it's usually saying, three. It's usually three. Yeah. So he takes a bite. Sometimes yeah. he'll take a second bite. 
and then he'll third bite, go for the crust. Or sometimes he'll go for a bite, then he'll go for the crust, and then he'll come back for a bite. Sometimes there might even be more four or five bites sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, I do think a one bite pizza review is valid. I mean, I don't think you're, I mean, because what he's trying is usually cheese, right? He always gets and a cheese it. pizza. He always gets a cheese Sometimes pizza. Sometimes there'll be something on else on there, right? Like I, I saw one today or something like it, it had some some sort of leafy green on it. I don't know if it was a ba- if basil or something, you know, or something like that. But I think if it's a specialty of the house, he'll he'll do that. Yeah. So yeah. then you may need a couple bites to get all the components. Right. But if you're going straight cheese, right. One bite or the three bites he does is completely fair, I yeah. think. So yeah. And, and here's the thing like I said, I didn't agree with some of the way Dave handled, but here's what I'll I will say, right? I do agree that he yet he is helping business i i don't this because any publicity is good publicity is my gonna be my answer here unless except he found like except, unless he found roaches on the pizza right that's yeah, yeah, yeah i'm just saying it it because i guarantee you this guy now in massachusetts was getting business he had to get business at people i've had to go there after this yeah so so yeah that that was kind of um i just thought that was kind of interesting with that, you know, um, and I said, so I, I don't think it's necessarily any, any kind of, again, it's more than one bite. You're right. It's, it's like three, it's usually about three or four. Right. Yeah. Um, and he tends to have it the same way. It's not like he sits at a table. He, right. uh, he just, he has the pizza box. He's eating his it. Hand is, the, his hand is burning. Getting hand is burning. On the beat pizza yeah. box. And he's look, burning like a hot lava in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. And those thin pizzas up in, like I know this was in Boston, but these thin pizzas in New York, if they are soggy, they are not a good experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, they just, it's a, it's a hot mess is the only word I could tell you it would hold right. those pizzas. So, um, I guess, so I think he, now the one thing I kind of was really curious and someone pointed this out is like, well, he raised 50, he said he raised $50 million. Right. right. And I kind of went back and I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. One bite pizza, as successful as they are, that's a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. So someone actually gave me the website for uh, bar because this is a subsid. This is a project off of Barstool Sports, right. right? And there is a Barstool Sports charity uh, site, and they have said they've raised forty one million. Mm-hmm. And that I could see that part. Right. I could see okay, because maybe when he said that, I'm like. I was taking it like these pizza reviews have really raised that much money. Right. And I was thinking of it more like, well, his, you know, I would say, how do you quantify the, have these pizza reviews have helped businesses? I'm sure they have, but right. when, okay. When I saw the barstool site, I didn't realize it was that, uh, integrative of a project. So I kind of, I kind of understood that after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then it got me thinking, okay. Imagine if this happened in the cigar industry, which part, the whole thing you take you take let's just say that you take a uh some reviewer in place yeah. of dave and then let's say you substitute a um for, let's make it easy you substitute the manufacturer yeah. for uh for um you know the guy in the pizza place and maybe right, the right, manufacturer's right. doing an event at a store and the same scenario happens in the cigar industry right like the same uh how do you think people will people have the same reaction with that um, I think so. I, I, I see. I think it would be different. I think we would get black. Like media would get blasted on this. I think we would get blasted. Like, how dare you like insult the cigar? Like, 
Well, yeah, I mean, you have to look at it a little different, right? I think because the reviewer in this case is probably making way more money than that pizza parlor makes, yeah, right, in a year. Um, and it's re- absolutely reversed, uh, out here, yeah. except for maybe the you know, some of the yeah. more boutique, uh, yeah. yeah, cigar makers, but um. So it's it's different in that fact. So you have a lot of you know fu capability as right. you know Dave Portnoy that you may not have as a regular reviewer. But um, I I don't know, man. I think if uh, a cigar manufacturer came at a cigar reviewer that was like doing it, but in Dave style, like not like a like just completely crapping on everything and being nasty about it, right? If they're just doing a normal review and came out and was doing that, hey, you might you might not see you know people might not see it that same way. Um I think that there might be a bit of blowback for the for the manufacturer. I, I think there's only but here's the thing the one difference I would say is there's only about two manufacturers I could think of who would have that type of reaction with the guy in the saying, I don't like what you do with cigar reviews, right? Right. Yeah. I yeah. can think of two people. That would right. do it, right? And yeah. they would have come out of during the retail, so they come out and say, "I don't like what you do," um, and, and blah blah blah. But you know, I don't see, for example, like I don't, I would not see a Steve Soccer doing this or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I just don't see it happening. I could see them, you know, more as they. Would, but so there's only a few people that may do this, um, and have that reaction. Um, yeah. And we know who they are. I'm not gonna go through the names. You guys could figure out. Me, you guys could probably figure out. There's probably a few more than two, right? But you could figure right, it right. out, right? Yeah. So, but. Like imagine, but here's the thing. Here's where I kind of went with another irony, right? So Dave does. We said, okay, it's fair to review a pizza with one bite, right? Yeah. We're saying, let's assume we say that, right? Right. Now, remember, now I don't know if you noticed when Havana Phil was was alive. Havana mm-hmm. Phil was actually trying this concept out. One right. puff, one yeah, a one yeah. puff cigar review. He's actually was. It just never got off the ground because right. unfortunately he had unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Um, and I remember he was gonna try it i wonder if it would ever work right it was, i was i didn't really know a lot about it at the time right but, yeah you know, i do now but i think you know when you go like look at a cigar like this is where cigar aficionado gets picked on right well how I mean, can that's they what do, they do they do that's what they do reviews. they only take they, they basically <laughs> do the closest thing and somehow you see people wow these reviews suck because uh yeah. these reviews and I'm, I'm not talking manufacturing now i'm talking consumers right don't like cigar aficionado say well and a lot of you know, us included. Like, how can you review the first third of a cigar, and and do that when? But it's okay for pizza. It's not for cigar. And I still think there is a full experience with the pizza. By the way, because I think the one thing I think that Dave misses on the pizza reviews is, he, I know sometimes he'll take a bite of the crust. Yeah, like he'll do that. But I think sometimes you got to do the whole crust. I think even the part leading to the crust sometimes is, is key. Sure. I think yeah. yeah so, sure. so, but but somehow I think like aficionado gets beat up on it, and Dave. Dave somehow likes it as well. Yeah, I mean, I think with I, I just think with the cigar, it's a very different, different thing because you have, uh, you know, the blend can change. Yeah, you know, down. Um, obviously, the pizza can change the same, like yeah. depending on toppings yeah. and things like that nature. But yeah, um, yeah, it's I think the cigars are a little, are a little different. Yeah, no, I, I definitely would agree with you on that part too. I mean, it's it's not it's I get it's not apples to apples in a lot of yeah. cases, uh, on that. So I do agree with you on that. Um, you know, and the other thing I had the observation I've talked about it on this show is the whole scoring system, the developing palettes, right? 
So, I mean, it's like on one hand, you know, and I've said it, I said, it's the same system. It, they, yep. it really, the, the difference, what I would say with Dave is he scores it higher. Yeah. And he yeah, said yeah. in that video, he, he tends to up the scores because he's not looking to. So, he yeah, he said, I've seen a couple where he's like, you know, I, I, I'm trying not to be mean anymore and stuff like that. Now, you know, maybe I'm going to be yeah. a little bit nicer than I, I was in the past. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was saying that. Um, but it was funny because he in that review he said six point four, not a great score, right? But but yeah, and he said it. And then after the guy came out, he said, "This sucks, this pizza." Like, went yeah. from not that great to sucks, you know? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I always again, I always kind of say to that. I said, uh, you know, so people like they love Dave Portnoy, but but Aaron's reviews are somehow wrong. And <laughs> and, and and look, I don't, I think it is. You can compare the two. Yeah, way. absolutely. I think so. I think you can. And the difference is you guys are probably a little more honest with right. how you manage the scale compared that he's self-admitting that he doesn't manage that scale pretty well. Yeah. Um, with that. Um, so, um, but yeah, those were, um, I, it'd be, I, it's interesting. I'm, you know, and I, the other thing I think that was, we didn't talk about with this is he knew exactly what he had on video at this point. Like he knew he had gold. Yeah, he knew he sat on this. And what does he do? He waits to put it on Tucker Carlson. So yeah. so he totally like like knew what he was going to do. And he's probably gotten more hits. He's probably gonna have the most hits ever on one of his reviews because of that. I mean, it made a right. Tucker Carlson broadcast. Yeah. I heard. I mean, the last thing I'll just say is I heard people start to get a little political about it, too. And then I'm like, I didn't really think much. I don't think the politics matter one way or another for me on this. That was just me. Right. So, but yeah, um, th- those are my thoughts. I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that. No, it was just, uh, you know, you, you'll run across people like that, I guess, from time to time. And they yeah. just shoot themselves in the foot kind of doing that, I think. So I wonder if one person in particular is going to try it. <laughs> I think one manufacturer I can see actually will try to bait the media into this. Uh, I don't know who they will bait in the media because it would have to be someone who. They'd have to be able to get on camera. I could see one person trying to do this. So Okay. Yeah. The other yeah. one I don't think would do it on purpose, but one would do it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, but uh and it probably would be not like us. It would probably because you know, it'd probably be one of the influences I would I would say they'd go after. Just because I think that platform they can do it on a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's all I got for this week, Aaron. All right. All right. Uh, programming notes. There's no shows next week. Um, I'm going to be in Texas uh, at the end of next week, so we won't have a show. Uh, we have a pretty good run of guests we've had over the last eight weeks. So yeah. uh, we're going to start booking up the shows uh, for late uh, September, mid to late mm-hmm. September. But there'll be no shows next week. Um, I know we have another week off. And by the way, there's going to be a third week off because I'm going on vacation with my wife. So sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that detail as well. But we've uh, so stay tuned on that. Uh, but we won't have any uh, shows next week. So uh, enjoy enjoy not hearing me for a week. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it'll be good. Uh, yeah, I mean you're, you're only you're only on a show every every night this week to make. Yeah, up no, for I, it, so. I'm doing I'm doing dojo tomorrow. <laughs> <Yep>. with, uh, <laughs> you should see the message thread already on this. Uh, yeah. Uh, about these, like they're doing the candy bar tournament tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. So. Uh, um, but yeah, I'll be doing that tomorrow. And then, then like I said, uh, I, uh, I'm looking forward to some time in Texas. Uh, I'll be at the McAuliffe open house. So 
Uh, I'm also going to go. Uh, I'm going to Jay's actually for an event, and uh, it's, he has he has uh, uh, Dan Welsh from Surrogates out there of nice. Tampa Y. So uh, this is big for me. I haven't been to a cigar event in a long time. Yeah. So I just don't go to as many. It's it, it's it's more scheduled than anything um, with me. So I haven't been to an event in a long time. So I'm looking forward to. It. I'm, not, I'm not counting like I'm talking a retail store event, mm-hmm. and it's not like I have I've been avoiding them or anything. Uh, now it's just. Uh, the last one I went to, I want to say, was an Esteban Carreras event last year. Mm-hmm. So this is a, I haven't been to one this year, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, so I'll be hanging out at Blue Smoke on Thursday night if anyone's in town. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what will be Friday night, but we'll see. And I'll be at the open house Saturday. Uh, I want to thank uh, Tom Zybrad. Uh, Tom Zybrad? I always say his name wrong, but thanks to Tom. Uh, he set this up with um willie thanks to willie as well we uh we had a this one took a little while to confirm so we got mm-hmm. it he, tom got it done so thanks to tom on that uh thanks to our audience for hanging in there as well thank you aaron yeah uh, but that's gonna wrap up prime time episode 282 into the annals of history for thursday september 7th now friday september 8th on the east coast we will see everybody next time take care everybody see you guys